Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to Babu's Frickin' Podcast. My name is Grand Moff Mark Valentine, and I am looking for the location of that Rebel base. Still haven't found it. Uh, with me today are Jedi Master Mike Kiati Ruby and Brian Porkins Lee. Uh, don't worry about Brian. He did not skip the equipment check before we went on air. So we appreciate the concern, but we're fairly sure that his audio will not explode into a giant fireball during today's episode. I want to thank you for joining us here as we launch our Star Wars-based podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a toxic-free environment for you to share your passions for all things Star Wars, and we will be releasing this episode on May the 4th to coincide with the launch of The Bad Batch on Disney+. Plus. In today's episode, we want you to meet our small Jedi Council and then give you a preview to The Bad Batch as well. And before we get into the episode, uh, I just wanted to say welcome. And here we go. Welcome to Babu's Frickin' Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Uh, just a reminder that today, Babu's Freaking Podcast is being filmed before a live studio audience. Thank you to our Patreons that are hanging out with us today. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, you can join us over on patreon.com backslash this is life. And a shout out to there, Sarah Thurgood, to Katie Blomberg, and to Alicia uh, for uh, or Allison for being our awesome Patreons. Thank you so much for supporting the show and for being here as we launch Babu's freaking podcast, you saw from the credits that the Jedi council will grow and contract from time to time. Uh, the three Jedi masters are by my side today. Again, Brian, many of you know from earth's mightiest weirdos as he is the host of that show over on this Diz life network. Uh, Brian is a gigantic star Wars fan as well. So Brian, for those people who are joining us for the first time here on this audio podcast, uh, tell our new listeners about United. We fan and earth's mightiest weirdos and where we can find you, my man. So this is where the fun begins. I, uh, United We Fan, like you said, Mark, we do all things fandom from anywhere from, we did a Star Wars prequels episode really early on. We've done some Mandalorian episodes when we're talking about Star Wars, but there's a bunch of Marvel and the Dark Knight trilogy for, for from Christopher Nolan, just all those different kinds of things. We did a Broadway show. We did a Disney Investor Day that you came on with us, Mark. Uh, all kinds of stuff that all different levels of fandom. You're more than welcome to check us out. We're anywhere you find your podcast at United We Fan with our newest episode talking about The Office. Love it. I can't wait. That's what she said. 
Uh, and Mike, as our Mike is our our resident new podcaster here. Many of you may recall Mike joined us on the uh, the series finale of Mando Monday. That we had a podcast. Our first Star Wars iteration was Mando Monday. Mike joined us along with Brian for the series finale of that show. Uh, so Mike is new to podcasting in the Jedi Council respect, but not new to, to our Star Wars show. But Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself, where we can find you on the socials. And we're, we're going to get to know you a little bit today as well. But uh, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, where can we find the Ruby Writer? Uh, hello there. Um, yeah, uh, I'm Mike. And I've been a Star Wars fan since I was three years old. Uh, I'm going to date myself here by saying that the first film I saw in the theaters was Return of the Jedi. And uh, so we're, we're repping today with a little Chewbacca action here. Um, <laughs> and you can find me on the socials at Ruby Rider. I'm an advertising and marketing professional by day and Star Wars fiend all the time. So uh, <laughs> super excited to be back here on the pod. It never, the, the Star Wars fanship never ends. It's 24-7 with, with it that. It can't. It cannot end. There's some conversation going on in the comments. And thank you again to the Patreons are here. Uh, some people really were, were commenting and digging the music. Just a really quick plug to JL folks who did that cover of the Mandalorian theme. We loved it so much from Mando Monday that we decided to bring it over. Even though it's more of a Mandalorian theme, I just didn't care, gentlemen. I loved it that much. It, it was hard argument. to stop. Yeah, hard to stop jamming, but I I, I did uh, shed a single tear for the Razor Crest. I I did I did I love the the memes of people who uh, they have the they spent how much money on the Lego version of it and then they show you the footage of it blowing up. Yeah, oh, I didn't blow mine up. Mine's still fully fully intact. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> well, let's let's hope it gets a two After all, they did rebuild Red Wing. It's a possibility that that the rebels rebuild some form of a razor crest for him. Call the Ugnots. As yeah, as like a, as a thank you. So who who knows? So gentlemen, today it was really about meeting us, the the Jedi Council. It's for me to throw all kinds of questions at you guys in terms of uh, like our Star Wars preferences, really getting to know us. For the audience members who are going to be spending some time with us from week to week, I thought it'd be best for us to be fully transparent as to what our biases are where our fanship stems from. You can see clearly from the video footage here that you have two OGs. Uh, I, I am 42 years old. Mike is not far behind me. So we grew up on the original trilogy. Return of the Jedi was also my, my very first cinematic experience. So I am an original trilogy guy. If, if we have to date ourselves, because uh, that is a thing, guys, that they are now breaking Star Wars fanship into three age categories. So we are the boomers, Mike. That's us. Like we are the, we are the boomers when it comes to star Wars. If we complain about the new stuff, like that's what we get. We get the, okay, boomer. Yeah. Sa sadly. So, but you know, the first time I heard that people were quote unquote shipping Ray and Kylo Ren, I had to go look it up. <laughs> Sad state of affairs. It is. Uh, this, despite the fact that what I want to say about myself specifically, and I'm going to ask the two of you this, uh, despite my original trilogy, let's call it bias, Mike, Mike can attest to this, and I'm not just saying this. I do, I do speak youngling in that I am, I am, I know that Brian is as well uh, a fan of the sequel trilogy. Mike has a love hate. Uh, would I be fair to cl classify yours as a love hate relationship? Um, 
I love two thirds of the sequel trilogy. Okay. I, I'm right there. I'm I'm exactly there. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But I'm two thirds. I'm good with as well. Uh, I used to be a two thirds of the glass half full kind of guy, and then because of Michael Ruby, uh, I have, and he will tell you, I have slowly come around on the one leg of the sequel trilogy that I was not much of a, a fan of. So I've become an an aficionado of the sequel trilogy. I don't I don't fight it anymore. But I've also said, just give me more Star Wars, guys. Whenever I can get more Star Wars, I'm I'm all about it. But I thought it was really important, again, to give our new listeners a sense of where we all come from in terms of our Star Wars fandom. So to start this, this being our first show, the launch of Bobby's freaking podcast, I prepared some questions for you guys. Really, it's about our favorites. I want to really just have some fun. Like this is very lighthearted stuff. We're going to get into... And preview for, for those people who don't know what the Bad Batch is, we're going to try to do a really nice job in prepping the landing for the Bad Batch to give them an idea of, you know, meet the Bad Batch, who the Bad Batch are. If they don't want to get invested heavily into Clone Wars, where can we send these guys to Clone Wars that they can take an hour out of their time or maybe uh, two hours out of their time to get ready? Because I, I really do think that I think the Bad Batch is going to be pretty remarkable. I'm really psyched having seen the trailer so I wouldn't want people to miss out on it because they said, well, listen, I haven't watched the Clone Wars, so it's going to go over my head. That's what the show is about. But before we do that, really lighthearted, really just have fun and fan out. And let's be honest, Mike. So Mike's on the West Coast. He's a West Coaster. He and I go all the way back to high school. He was the best man at my wedding, vice versa. And uh, this is our chance for the two of us to talk and to hang out. We do this normally via phone but then we said hey let's let's include brian because he's a real big star wars guy too and let's let's just tape it just pretend i'm not here i'll hide behind bobby <laughs> down here in the corner <laughs> let's well when you pop up you got to do the hey hey no hey, that's, hey. that's what it is all right so uh mike as as sort of the the new i know this because i i know you oh so well but brian does not know a lot of your favorites if you had to rank your star wars films i know i prepped this with a lot of you guys so you know where they're where we're coming uh, where would you put in terms of the ranking order for your Star Wars films? Ooh, that, there are so many of them now, which is like such a, a, a blessing to be able to say. But, I, you know, to try and put them all in order, uh, I mean, it probably starts with Jedi. Um, wow. I, there's just something about it. I actually went back and watched it again about a month ago. And every time I go back, I find something new. Um, so I'd, I'd say probably Jedi, then Empire, then New Hope. Um, and then things start getting a little tough. Um, cause after that, it's probably somewhere between Return of the Sith and The Last Jedi. Um, I, the two of them are, are probably next up in line, followed by, uh, Rogue One and then start falling into the, the, the rest of the, uh, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. I can tell you without any hesitation that the final film on that list is undoubtedly uh, Rise of the Skywalker. That I know. That I know. The man, the Rise of Skywalker broke this man's heart. He wanted to like it. And you're a J.J. Abrams fan. Oh, That's dude, fun. I, you know, I, I remember calling you the second I walked out of the theater after after watching Force Awakens and spending like an hour and a half just trying to figure out like where the whole yarn was going to going to going to going to be spun to. And I, I just feel like the last film just it couldn't 
it couldn't put it back together. It couldn't take a handoff. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the testament of it, like I would never do this. I would never do this. But people walked out before the film was over when I was at Rise of Skywalker. Like she's on Ray's on screen. She's talking to the old lady in Tatooine. She says Ray Skywalker and people got up out of their seats and moseyed on out. And I was like, wow, what happened? See, I like, listen, we'll, we'll have this every other week to get into very film specific discussions and to talk about like elements of that and, and to break down trilogy specifically. But this is something you've said to me now for, for quite a while. This isn't a revelation to me. Um, but like to be continued on that, on oh, that. Of course. <laughs> oh no, I, I, it's okay. Just remind me now and again, just, you know, tell me like, you know, the force is with you. Yes. You are with the force. Like <laughs> the, the Jedi version of Wusa. Like I gotta, I gotta go back to that place the same way as I'm sure there are people who are going to appear here that are probably going to have similar when Ryan you, yes. Johnson feelings. Yes. When you, when you get those feelings, just channel your inner cheer it. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you'll feel better uh brian hey. I'll, let's i'll go to you next buddy we're like give us your your rankings so my my thing on united we fan is we do a lot of rushmores we do kind of top four of of everything um and i um i'm on i'm only 32 so i was a prequel kid i'm that yep. prequel uh age group and then my kids are very much the sequel age group but um so i mean i i grew up on the original trilogy just like most people should. And if you're not putting your kid, grazing your kids on the original trilogy, then you're not a good parent. Uh, but I no, I'm going to go empire is, is my number one favorite movie of all time. And it always will be. I don't ever see that being unseated. Um, second for me um, is a new hope. Then the force awakens. I really like the force awakens. I love Ray. Um, I even have a little girl named after Ray. Um, I love that character. And then revenge of the Sith for me, I think, Revenge of the Sith, had we actually seen that story play out, not knowing that Anakin was be going to become Darth Vader, I think would be one of the, the greatest film turns that we'd ever seen. Obviously, we knew it was coming. But um, after that would probably be Jedi for me, followed closely by The Last Jedi. I, I like The Last Jedi, and I like The Last Jedi a lot. I will defend 75% of that film until my dying days. Um, after that, I'd probably go Phantom Menace because Darth Maul's awesome. Um recently rewatched the rise of skywalker it used to be rise of skywalker and then and this is just the skywalker saga i would put rogue one right around the last jedi i would put solo around phantom menace um i'm gonna put attack of the clones next and last uh i'm with ruby um rise of skywalker has so many so many issues that i that i just can't i can't get over them i can't i listen i understand we will give we will give both of you a chance to to get that. There's, there's stuff out. in that movie I really really like. There's yeah. also a lot of stuff in that movie I really really don't. I, I'm particularly partial to the space horses. I I want more space horses. Mike knows this. I can't say it because we're going to try to be as family friendly as possible. But I I always have a saying when whenever the space horses bust out of that transport, that it's it's rather it's rather inappropriate, and it's space effing horses. Oh yeah, that that's it. That's it. But I'm, I'm not going to say the, say the full thing. We're not going <laughs> to say effing. We will not say effing. I Just freaking. Yeah. Uh, so I, like, again, I'm, I'm aging myself out. I am uh, at 42. I grew up with and only with the original trilogy for so long. Uh, if 
and when my daughter wants to sit down and watch them. I probably will though, Brian, I'm going to tell you, show her the pre show them in chronological order, because I do think I agree with everything that you just said. That turn would be so much better if they have not watched the original theatrical trilogy. I'm not telling you what order to watch it. You just need to raise your kids on the original trilogy. That's oh, yeah. all I'm saying. Oh no. And, and I, I hope that she does. So my daughter is all about the Ray merch as well. She has a Ray costume. She has a blue lightsaber. She knows who Ray is. She knows who Kylo Ren is. Um, she's a fan. The problem is at nine star Wars can, uh, for this generation can get a little talky for kids. And so they get really into the action sequences, but then they kind of peel off. Um, and the prequels can be a real hard watch for a nine-year-old with all that political drama and intrigue. I wonder, I wonder why all the Senate procedure just doesn't excite them at the age of nine. <laughs> so this is where Liberty dies. This is where, li this is where Liberty dies. Uh, so I, again, my bias is being front and center. Uh, to me, it's empire, new hope, Jedi, on any given day, New Hope and Jedi can probably flip-flop depending on which one I have watched last. Uh, I do still fully geek out and tear up at the age of 42 at the at the trench run, especially when I'm watching it on the big screen with full cinematic sound. I straight up geek out and I get a, I get a single tear when we're making the trench run. I just want to let that be said. Um, and that's kind of a spoiler for later on, my pure, my pure Star Wars moment. Uh, and then I'm going to shock all of you. Solo is my fourth favorite Star Wars movie. Wow. I said it. Hot take. Boom. I said it. And it's again, I'm cotton. Yep. Bold <laughs> move, cotton. See if it pays off for him. Yep. Uh, solo, solo, the force awakens. And then probably uh, rogue rogue one. And then I'm going to start getting into, again, these can all change, but uh, let's just say the other ones are very fluid. My decidedly last one though, uh, is the phantom menace. I've seen, I saw the phantom menace six times in theaters I love the end of the Phantom Menace. I think it is perfect Star Wars. It just to get to that point for me was a little, it was a little bit much. It's, it doesn't have a, a lot of rewatch value for me. And then probably the Clone Wars is probably my next last. Um, I do like Revenge Attack, of the Attack of the Clones, not the, not the TV show. Yes. Attack okay, of the Clones. Perfect, perfect. What did I say? The Clone Wars? Yeah, you're good. I just, yeah, if we were lumping that in, then I'm going to re-rank everything. From time to time, I, I will I will make those audio gaps, but that's also why I have these two gentlemen here to correct me when I'm when I'm speaking and, and not knowing what I'm talking about. But yeah, the uh, Attack of the Clones is, is probably my, my last favorite. The other ones I can I can really mix. Um, Mike would have thought that the Last Jedi would have probably have been my last one. The film has considerably grown on me over time, and I will say this that I think the Rise of Skywalker really augmented that film for me. Um, I said this. In a private conversation, the that film is a second act with without resolution to a lot of the writing decisions didn't sit well for me. I I've, I like I have a little OCD too. The, the Last Jedi was more about me than it was about the film. I couldn't wait for those unresolved things that were in that film. Once they got resolved for me, I went back and went. I I can I can appreciate and like them a lot more. Uh, still don't like uh, the the side quest of of Canto Canto Blight. Don't like it. I, That's, I said I would only defend 75% of that yeah, film. I, I, I still don't. percent that I, I, I agree. Yeah. So, I, so you only like certain kinds of space horses. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Only only ones that are, are attacking on the fuselage of a, of a Star Destroyer. Okay. 
So in the upper in the upper atmosphere, there's there's like there's like the Venn diagram of like space horses and star destroyers, and only (laughs) when the twain shall meet. Correct. Correct. I'm a very specific space horse kind of fan. So the you know the thoroughbreds that are running for pure sport, not a fan of them. Free free those puppies and let them go. (laughs) Ones that are being used for intergalactic combat. I'm all about all about that. And listen, can we just, as an aside, we'll do this also from time to time for comedic effect. You know, all those space horses died, right? You know, they didn't corral those things back into that before that that star destroyer went down. There were people that definitely jumped off that space horse and they dipped. They left those space horses to die. The captain goes down with the ship, man. That Why was is that funny. It's not funny. It's messed Why is that up. That's funny. That's I'm tragic. Saying, it's messed up. What, you you want like space PETA coming after them now? Like that's that's pretty serious stuff. Well, I, there. Space PETA, I would look I would look into it. Speeda. Yeah, I would <laughs> I would look into this. And and while we're at it, not only did the space horses die, but Yum Yum died a pretty unremarkable death. And they Wait even they even they even said in the novelization that the Tantive Four went down in a blaze of glory in, in some force lightning. Yum Yum is dead, gentlemen, with the space horses. Oh my god, did I just break that mic? You just broke my heart. Did you not know that Num Num dies? This is a path that I can't go down with you. He's gone, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. How? I just we just broke news to, to oh. Michael, Michael Ruby. He, oh, he lives. Man. He lives on at Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. You, you know what? Like at least we saw Akbar get sucked into space, so there was something redeeming about his death in Last Jedi. But like, you're gonna tell me Num Num like he gets an off death screen? He got. He or dies he off screen death. He dies off screen. Yeah, it was it was confirmed in the novelization of. I blame of, Wedge. So Wedge was in Num Num's <laughs> seat on the Falcon. Listen, I it's an old ship, man. It didn't fire up quick enough. The the ignition didn't prime quick enough. That thing went down. It went down hard. I now have yet another reason to dislike. I'm sorry, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Stop. Sorry, bro. I am with the force and the force is with me. <laughs> Sorry. I am with the All force right. and the force is with me. Gentlemen, my my perfect that I'll get to you. I, I already spoiled my own perfect Star Wars moment. My perfect Star Wars moment is the trench run. When that music fires up, I do. I still get teary eyed. I still feel like I'm a little kid again uh, when they're making that that run. And Luke says it'll be just like Beggar's Canyon back home. Dude, That that is my perfect Star Wars moment is right there. Uh, Brian, perfect Star Wars moment for you? Yeah, I mean, that was that was mine. So I'm going to go with my more recency bias then. And it's going to be when I want, I don't want your armor, I want my armor. And we get Boba Fett getting the armor put back on and just showing his capabilities in episode six of season two of The Mandalorian. That's going to be my most recent one since you took the, the king of them all. I think the trench run, you just get everything of... <laughs> Han Solo coming to save the day and you get the Millennium Falcon, you get TIE Fighters, you get X-Wings all in the same shot. Um, the only thing missing is a lightsaber. You even get Force Ghost Obi-Wan talking about the Force. You get all of it in that that one minute span. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go with my most recent one. And then in the next episode, when he drops the seismic charge, even better. I love it. I know. And I know that that the two of you both, that is like your favorite your favorite sound effect from the Star Wars universe is that seismic charge. Oh, hand, hands down. Hands down. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest sound in the world, not even in the Star Wars world. I need to get it for my phone. I want it to like go off when I get like an email or something. I did it once and it scared the crap out of me in the middle of the night one time. So I turned, I changed it back. <laughs> you got to you get a text message. It's like a seismic charge. It's amazing. I'm tearing up laughing at that. So funny. Uh, Mike, you are perfect Star Wars moment. 
Oh man, it's so hard. I mean, I think, I think you guys defined it really well by bringing all of those, those aspects together. But I think for me, it goes back to the original cut of Vader chucking the emperor down the, the shaft. Like he didn't, we didn't need the vocal. Like they ruined that moment with the vocalization of him going, no, no. Like we didn't need it. John yeah. Williams score says everything. And what I love about that is that they're showing, they're showing him behind the mask. And yet you can see and feel every emotion that's happening without even having to see his face. Just looking back and forth. Yep. Just looking back and forth. And you know that all of the other stuff that we then get to see in all the other wonderful Star Wars that follows, he's reliving all of that. And he's seeing himself being punished in his own son. And he's just like, you know what? This is it. Music swells. Palpatine screams. He goes over the edge where he should remain dead. And somehow he returned. <laughs> He he and Echo he and Echo have a, a serious set of skills, like getting getting to the Bad Batch. That they apparently have. they can they can survive these explosions, whether it be on a Star Destroyer or the Death Star. That it happens from time from time to time. It happens. It's it's it's, it's a path to things that many would deem to be unnatural. <laughs> well, <laughs> Echo's not looking too good, man. He's he's looking worse for wear. So, yeah. and he was uh, just a regular old. He was a reg. He was a stormtrooper, uh, yeah. a clone trooper. So, yeah. all right, Mike, I, I'm going to keep it. With, I'm going to keep it with you then, my man. Uh, and I know the answer to this, but again, uh, many of our listeners haven't known you for over 20 years. Uh, Sith or Jedi? Oh, Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Brian. Jedi. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go the Ahsoka route. I am. I'm not picking. I am not picking. I. I want to have okay, touches well, Ahsoka, of Ahsoka says she didn't pick, but yeah. she. Pick. She did, like she did, but then she she saw flaws to, to both. If I and and the, the thing is, is uh, as a, as a young man, I saw myself more as a Jedi. And the older I get, I'm like, I'm getting real Clint Eastwoody, get off of my lawn. Like I'm I'm starting to say, like you know, the Sith had some serious points that people should have considered. So I I've I've skewed Sith in my old age. I get I'm getting bitter, <laughs> getting bitter. Uh, favorite Star Wars video game, Brian. I mean, Knights of the Old Republic has to be the correct answer, doesn't it? That is the correct answer. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Uh, Mike, is is it unanimous? Uh, it can't be because I think I fell off the Star Wars gaming uh, space horse uh, a while back. I was a big, <laughs> I was a big Tie Fighter fan. Okay. I, I, I even like my my old school like gateway desktop. I rocked a joystick on Tie Fighter, and I loved shooting down rebels. That was so much fun. I thought you were going to pick like the Super Star Wars from the the SNES system. You used to rock the side scrollers. You used to rock those hard. Yeah, I did. They, they, you know, they were they were fun for a time, and then you realized it's not quite not quite it was. PC games started taking it to a new level. They did, they did. I I don't I don't hate it. Uh, your Star Wars, uh, you would say we're calling this one Spirit Animal, um. But it's not. It doesn't need to be an animal or a creature in the Star Wars universe. Just someone or a character that you would say you identify with most. Uh, let's go, start with Mike on this one. Oh, that is a tough, tough question. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think inherently, from kind of a character perspective, like I've always, you know, I, I think in as you said, in in my old age, I've started to appreciate 
Han more, but growing up, I was definitely, you, you were either a, a Luke kid or a Han kid. Um, I was definitely a Luke kid. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think grow, growing up in, in rural country as you and I did and kind of seeing how he kind of escapes and goes out and does big things. I think that's kind of where, where I was always kind of at. Yeah, man. I mean, we grew up, we grew up running Natashi station for some power converters. We were, we were wide eyed kids. We were bullseye and womp rats in our T16s. That that we were. Uh, I, I am a decidedly Han, like Han is my spirit animal. He's sarcastic. He's scruffy looking. Uh, His relationship is as old as time. And, and, you know, it, it takes, it takes some work for someone to love me. (laughs) So Linda, that, that's for me to you. Like, I, I, I know that I'm a Han. I take, I take a special breed of woman to love. So I am, I am definitely a Han Solo. Brian? Uh, I mean, I would like to consider myself like the Lando or the Poe, really smooth and and just convincing. But in all reality, like I'm a Porkins. Like, <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm just going just gonna <laughs> to say it because it's true. Dude, it's so great. Oh my God. That that's the sound clip for the episode there, right there. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what planet would you like to call home, gentlemen? Uh, Brian? Scarif. There's nothing prettier than Scarif in Rogue One. That beach interconnected islands and everything. Like if I've gotta have one, I mean I would prefer it not to get blown up by a Death Star. But I mean, if we're living anywhere, I mean Naboo's got a lot of of places that look like they'd be fun. Um I, I mean, Takodana, where where Maz Kanata is, like that's kind of a cool planet as well. But in my opinion, Scarif's the the best one out there. All right, Mike. Yeah, you know it's a toss up, and what's interesting is I've 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 been to both of these planets, so it's a toss up for me between the forest moon of Endor um, and Naboo. Um, so I live about thirty minutes from Muir Woods, which is the forest moon of Endor. Um, it's gorgeous. The trees are amazing. You can hear the forest sounds. It's just a beautiful place to be. But by the same token, um, I found myself in Spain a couple of years ago um, and I was walking around and I start wa- I'm just exploring. And I start walking through this area and I look and I go, I'm standing on the Naboo Palace. Like that's that's where that that's where yeah. Anakin's carrying her bags. Like, where am I? Yeah. And lo and behold, like they shot Naboo in in seville in spain and that was it's it's absolutely gorgeous there the 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 the, the climate is amazing it's beautiful so you know it's it's a real it's a real toss-up you're like ben wyatt on that episode of parks and rec where he's like i'm an endor i'm in the forest moon of endor okay that's not important <laughs> yeah no i was that was the legitimate moment i literally looked over and it was like i've been transported to another planet like no that was all done cg this can't be real and that's of course awesome. because i'm in a foreign country i don't have internet on my phone and i'm like where am i is it real <laughs> it was real it was real all of it all of it it's true all of it, all of it. uh so real 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 talk too when you were on endor did you lead the caravan of courage Oh, oh, yub nub y'all. Yub, <laughs> Absolutely. No. Hey, how great. Okay, so uh, truth, truth, real talk, real talk here. Those movies were so much better when we were kids. <laughs> Have you gone back on Disney Plus, Plus and watched Caravan of Courage and the Ewok Adventure? I don't think I liked them the first time around. <laughs> oh, they're so awful. They're so bad. Hey, I thought know. they were so much better as a kid. You know, I listen, yeah. I, I felt that way about Transformers, the movie, too. When I went back and watched Transformers, the movie, I'm like, 
this was cooler when I was. I stopped myself from watching Transformers recently because I was like, I just can't do that to myself. I'll just oh. I'll just remain 16 forever. Yeah. yeah. I, I tried that with G.I. Joe and it was the same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so your your Star Wars hot take. This Diz Life is not a stranger to hot takes where we say something that is pretty controversial. Minor again, I already revealed mine. I spoiled my own hot take. Solo is probably my fourth favorite movie in the Star Wars universe. I love solo. And if people don't like solo, I, I, I that's a that's a come at me, bro. Moment. That's mine. Uh, Brian, um, being a child of the prequels, my my co-host over at uh, United We Fans gonna love this. Jar Jar Binks is not that bad. Wow, that is a hot take. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, not great, but he's not that bad. Uh, so when when we have Marky Mark Adams on that is more than likely going to become the episode, which is going to be, I think we're going to do a mock trial. I'm not kidding. A serious <laughs> mock, <laughs> mock trial of Jar Jar Banks. I will, I will sit and preside over the trial and, and we'll, we will, we're going to assemble a mock jury and have, have a presentation of the case. Mike, will you prosecute that case? Oh, I, I will. I will gladly. <laughs> oh man, like, you need a briefcase and a tie. It's going to be wonderful. Oh dude, it's on. It's on. In defense, so Brian and Mark, that's it. Like now, Brian, you've taken on the defense of his case. That's I don't it. want a Disney Plus show. Like I'm going to let Mark go full uh, on the defense there, but like he's just he's not that bad. And I like Ahmed best. I think that's I think that's really what it is. All right, all right, guys. Uh, really quick, we're gonna play. Hang on, we didn't get we didn't get Ruby's oh, Mike. Yeah, thank you, sir. Yeah, uh, you you guys have inspired me. I'm 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 going to give you one that might be a bit controversial. Um, Poe Dameron should have died on Jakku. Wait, on Jakku? Poe da- in the original scripts, Poe Dameron was supposed to have died in the crash. And really? then they decided he's coming back. And I think Poe Dameron should have died on Jakku. I think he is by far the worst rebel leader in the history of the rebellion. Whoa. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love him. I love Poe. I I, uh, I am I am not I I I warned you it was going to be a hot one I I am I I am I love Oscar Isaac uh, yeah. I love some of the some of the buddy moments with him and Finn I think I'll be I right think, back uh, <laughs> uh, I might I might debate you though I, I might take issue with you on the wor- the worst uh, rebel leader I don't know Holdo Holdo didn't really uh, she didn't really impress that much, man. Well, no, she she was far from impressive, but you know, you know, Poe's Poe's strategy for 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 uh, taking on the the Sith fleet was we're gonna show up and pray that everyone comes behind, and then he gives up over the comlink. I'm it sorry, a, everybody. Yeah, it was a, I, I couldn't it was a do real, it. It's it was like, a real that's gamble. real leadership there. That's what now that's what I'm talking about. Brian Lee, for those people who were watching the video, just showed up with a rebel pilot helmet with the Poe Dameron helmet. And that's how it's done here. That's why that's why you are a Babu's freaking podcast. That's that's like a that's like a Sunday afternoon right there. I love Poe Dameron. I need you I to apologize finish. If there was a bunch of background noise. I thought I muted myself. No, I need you to finish the episode like that, man. I, but you won't be able to hear though, because you won't have the you won't have the oh, headphones. Oh, he's got me. All I, right. I mean, so guys, real, real quick, before we do the, uh, before we do the preview and we give these guys something to uh, look forward to with the bad batch, uh, we, we like to do this or that. A lot of our shows, we have the Disney bunch, 
where we do this or that. They're really controversial. You never have to justify your answers. Sometimes we're making you we're making you pick and choose and throw away something that you really love. So usually it's like ripping off a bandaid. You just gotta you just gotta do it. You just gotta do it. All right, ready? And and you guys are gonna play. I'm not gonna play on this one. This is really just for the two of you guys. All right, so this or that Star Wars edition, really quick with our two Jedi Masters, um, Obi Wan or Mace Windu, better duelist. Obi Wan, Mace Windu. Ooh. <laughs> to be kid, yo, that that's gonna be an episode. That, that I'm telling you right now, that's gotta be that's gotta be discussed. I don't I don't hate it, and uh, I can go with I can go with either one of those answers depending on the day. And right now, I'm leaning more towards Mace Windu on that. So. That's that's where I fall. I just picked Obi Wan like two weeks ago, and then I, I regretted that life decision. Uh, better that might be that might be overstating it just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, better better wingman, R two D two or Chewbacca. Yeah, Chewie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm a Han guy, Chewbacca. For those of you not watching, Ruby held up a picture of Chewie on his shirt. Yes. Yeah, sorry uh, about that. I, I think it's best summarized in that uh, droids don't pull people's arms off when they win. <laughs> or when they uh, lose. Sorry. No, okay. Uh, smoother criminal. Lando or Han? Lando. Lando. Han thinks he's smooth, but he's no, it's not even close. Han is the Poe Dameron of smugglers. <laughs> you read Spi Runner of Spice? Yeah. Spice Runner. <laughs> uh okay. I I I know where this one's gonna go. I don't I don't know what I was thinking when I framed this one. I thought this one might be a little bit harder than it's actually gonna be. Uh battle it's like a, a battle of the Mandalorians, uh Boba Fett or Din Djarin. Uh. I don't have Ooh. I don't have a I don't have an immediate answer. Um, wow, I I'm surprised that surprises me, Brian. I I love Boba Fett, but I think it's, I'm going to go with Din Djarin personally. I think that's my answer. Yeah. Wow, I'm, gonna, I'm in a similar boat, but I'd have to go with Din. Let's see what happens after Book of Boba Fett, but I, I just think yeah. there's well, there's a whole lot more there. Yeah. So I uh, both of you surprised me because I thought you were both going to go with Boba because of the fact that we've. We, we've had two plus decades to fan over Boba Fett, whereas Din is a, he's a new entity. We've only had him for a little over two years, really. Um, but times the content of Din, though. But I was just going to say it's not it's sort of not fair to Boba Fett because he really has not had a lot of representation on screen. Most of it is just a mythos that's been built around him, and it's more of a reputation. But how cool is Boba Fett that? The guy, the guy hasn't had uh, – he's had a fraction of the screen time that Din's had, and that still becomes that hard of a decision. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think it's tough. I think, you know, for a long time I didn't understand the allure of Boba Fett. And then I talked to the buddy of mine who's about five years older than, than us. And he was like, look, man, when you saw the Star Wars holiday special and there was this guy riding a dragon mm -hmm. and you bought the toy that could shoot somebody's eye out, inherently, like, he was cool. And yeah. the, the, the mystique and myth of Boba Fett elevated him to a level that was just unmatched. Love so, it. you know, I, so I, I think you're right. I think there's, there's a lot there though, but the, the content with Din is just so much stronger. It's good. It's really good. I, 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 I second guessed that before I said it, cause I thought you guys were going to go decidedly Boba on it. I'll be honest. And then, wow. Okay. So it wasn't as terrible of a quick mark. Not so bad. 
It wasn't as terrible of a question as you thought it was going to be. All right. So your favorite Star Wars quote or your Star Wars mantra? Mike, go ahead. Go first. Impressive. Most impressive. I like it. Brian? Oh, man. Do you want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> oh, dude, that was epic. I didn't, so clearly you can see that none of us have shared this information before the show. That was amazing. That was well played. My, yeah, mine, I, I'm sorry that this is horribly cliche. I apologize in advance, but mine is, I love the maxims of Yoda have never been lost on me. So mine has always been do or do not. There is no try. I love that one. And I try to, and I really try to practice that one in life that I try to either do something to the best of my ability or I just tap out and I know my limitations. So I do do or do not. There is no try, you know, try is it, try is it a serious cop out. Uh, gentlemen, that was, that was fun. That was a fun way to kind of get into, into the show. And I mean, it's, it's really just a little bit of, uh, of the tip of the iceberg as far as all of this kind of stuff goes. That's what this show is going to be all about too for the first 40 minutes is for us to continue to fan over Star Wars. You can see from the three of us too that like the show is, is hopefully not going to, it's not going to be a toxic show. So the three of us, we, we definitely have our critiques or we, we have the things that we will always have constructive criticism on. But Mike Ruby and I have a very longstanding saying that stems back to our childhood when we were children and we would go to the movies and we would watch an actor or an actress on screen that we did not like. And I think it was Mike who came up with this when he said, dude, they're up there and we're down here. So we are fans. We consume the content. So I can't pretend to be a showrunner or a writer. Uh, I can always say, hey, listen, I don't know if I, you know, I would have gone with it that way. But let's also be honest. I'm not writing for Star Wars. Kathleen Kennedy is not beating down my door to ask me what my opinion is. So I have that healthy dose of respect for the art and for the writers. And while I will critique it and constructively criticize something, uh, please never misunderstand that I am not toxic about Star Wars, nor are any of my, my, my Jedi council here. My co-hosts are not as well, but that's what will make it fun um, is if all we come on and do is, is just praise everything and say, I love everything. The show will never work. But you have to also understand that I don't think for all three of us, that will never come of a position of I can do it better. Um, and I think that that's sometimes the, the attitude that some fans take is they think because they love something, they can they can do fan service and they can write a better a better script or a better a screenplay. And again, you know, that, that's where I really associate with the actors who kind of tell us the fans to shut up is because they're working their butts off to deliver those lines. They don't write their own lines. They're doing the best they can with what they've got. And uh, whether it's Jar Jar Binks and it's a mod vest, or if it's Natalie Portman, who is an Oscar winner and people constantly razz her for her performances in the prequels. There are people that do that, Brian. I know that that's not you because you're a diehard fan of them. Um, but the truth be told is they're creating art. We appreciate them. 
we may not like specific aspects aspects of it, but we will always come back for more Star Wars. We three. Well, you can blame toxic fandom for something like the rise of Skywalker too, is they try to fix issues that people have of Ray being a nobody or anything like that. And they're trying to perform fan service and trying to bring those people back that hated the last Jedi. And for the most part, if you love the last Jedi, you didn't like rise of Skywalker and vice versa. I mean, I know there's people that, that fit into those boats, but when you get that toxic fandom and you don't have the conviction that I wish Kathleen Kennedy had had when creating the sequel trilogy, then you run into situations like you did with the rise of Skywalker. And I just, uh, you know, I, I could not agree more with that sentiment. And that's going to be something that we kind of visit from time to time too, is, is star Wars fandom. And the fact that we, as a group, there is a real tendency for us to skew highly negative with star Wars. You see that with every fanship, but with star Wars, it's, it's become a lot more prevalent since the sequel trilogy, especially since the sequel trilogy. So we're going to try to keep it really positive here. Um, we're going to try, try to stay really constructive with our criticism when we do. But let's face it, too. The other thing about the three of us is we all also know that regardless of what it is, and there's a reason that the three of you are on the Jedi Council is because you guys consume Clone Wars. You guys consume uh, Rebels. Mike is into the the newer animated show that he, he's got, you know, uh, he's got a good handle on on the star Wars universe. A lot of you have delved into the legends while we haven't read every book. We're definitely not Amber from force Fridays over on uh, Walt's apartment podcast. Amber reads everything. She's a voracious reader when it comes to star Wars Legends stuff. And even the Canon um, we have, we have read amongst us. We have read several things. Um, I got so visceral over a book one time. I threw it across the room <laughs> that I read vector prime and they did something in Vector Prime that caused it ruined my life, and I threw the book across the room. So we, I do read, I do read Marky Mark, Marky Mark, and I joke about our our, our reading habits. Brian, Brian, Brian does not read; he'll tell you that. Hey, I'm an audiobook guy, so I, I mean, I, I've listened to Aftermath. I've listened to many of the of the other ones, but when I do read, there is a wonderful. I won't call it a comic book. I will call it a graphic novel about Darth Vader, 25 issues that Charles Soule did back in 2017. It is the greatest Star Wars story I believe that I have ever read. It's amazing. It's so, so good. One of the issues he goes, he's being hunted by Tarkin just to see if Tarkin can basically kill him. It's amazing. It's so good. That's a great hot tip. And we'll get, the, we'll get you things like that from time to time. All right. So gentlemen, in two days here, we have, new star wars content in the form of the bad batch uh i am really excited full disclosure i am a newbie when it comes to the star wars animated stuff i recently this year finished the clone wars and rebels i didn't stop i went back to back and i am now on my uh second and a half so i burned through the clone wars and then i went back again and i've i watched it twice now so i watch it i watch it continuously that and again, I, I'll we'll talk about this in a greater in a greater thing. It's the best of shows, and it's the worst of shows. It's got some of the best Star Wars I've ever seen. It's got some some stuff that's in there that is horrible. Brian has done a really great job of explaining that to me. That it's a twenty two show order for uh, for Cartoon Network. There's going to be filler episodes, but still, there are some episodes that are the absolute best Star Wars that you've ever gotten ever. And Rebels, start to finish, is hot fire. I love halfway, it. halfway through season one to finish is yeah. hot fire. Hot fire. I, I know you've said that to me that you said, Hey, the first few episodes will be a little painful. I never felt that with rebels. If I'm being honest, I never felt like I was hate watching rebels. Even 
the earliest stuff because it really was exposition to getting to know the crew. Yeah. And to get yeah, no, to- hate, hate watching strong. Like it's just not as on the level. Um, there's nothing better than end of rebels season two. It's so good. Yeah. Inc- incredible stuff. So uh, the bad batch is going to be released to celebrate May the 4th. Um, the bad batch is not new to the star Wars universe. Uh, there are a lot of people who are fans of the clone wars that recognize the bad batch from season sevens, episode one through four from that arc. So they are returning with their own show. Uh, This is going to be, in terms of the Star Wars timeline, these events will be immediately following the execution of Order 66. So we are going to be after the the completion of the Clone Wars and the, the systematic killing of the Jedi. And the Bad Batch, being who they are, are going to fall into this really weird gray area in the universe that they have, uh, let's just say, seemingly outlived their usefulness in terms of their, their purpose within the empire. Um, and so it looks like, again, some of this is speculative because we don't know what the narrative is. We're just going off of what we've seen in the ta- in the trailer. What it appears is at this point is that the bad batch will be on the wrong end of, of the empire. And it, it seems that, or at least what we're led to believe is it's the voice of Tarkin that is ordering uh, the, 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 the killing of the bad batch. So, um, do one of you, I'll I'll defer this if you want to one of you guys, do one of you gentlemen want to talk about where we've seen the bad batch so far, we're going to meet them individually, but for those people who have never seen the bad batch, you don't have to go back and watch the clone wars. You can get episodes one through four of season seven, season seven, in my opinion is the best season of clone wars. Uh, I just love the way it was hot take. (laughs) I know, I know, but it was I love the Bad Batch. I didn't even mind the the, uh, the middle sequences with Ahsoka finding her way back. And then, Brian, I've said this to you several times, the last few episodes of, of that series was um, the best that Star Wars has ever had to offer in terms of just hitting you in the heartstrings. Yep. Um, do one of you gentlemen want to take on sort of a summation of the Bad Batch and, their, uh, and meeting them on an axis? Go ahead, Ruby. Cool. So the the Bad Batch are they start as four, and by the end of the uh, by the end of their four episode arc, they end up being a team of uh, five elite clone troopers. And what's interesting about them and the reason that they call themselves the Bad Batch is they were defective clones um, that were developed on Camino. So there was with each of them something that wasn't quite right, um, but it, very much like the mutations on in the X Men. Um, each of their individual quirks or defects are actually superpowers for them. And so what makes them interesting as an elite fighting force that gets kind of dropped in behind enemy lines to do what regular clone troopers or regs, as they call them, can't, um, they they are a unique advantage for the Republic Army. And so it will be interesting to see what happens when the rest of their clone brethren have turned on them after Order 66. Yeah. Yeah. And that and four they, episode, that four episode arc that R- Ruby's talking about is episodes one through four of that season seven that Mark was, Mark yeah. was talking about. Yep. Yeah, and when we meet them too, for those of you that have not had a chance to watch that one through four episode arc, the episodes center specifically around what's called in the Star Wars universe the Battle of Anaxis. And so we meet Clone Force ninety nine coming into the battle because of their unorthodox style and their tendency to not play things by the book. 
And they have, according to the, to that, they have a hundred percent success rate in their missions that they've always accomplished whatever their objective is. And, uh, the regs suggest, I believe that it's Rex who says, I, I apologize if I'm incorrect. And, and this is being attributed to Cody. I'm not concerned with how they win or are on that. It's how they win. That worries me is what yeah. he said well, what's, is, to paraphrase. Well, what's, what's fun about them is they're they're It's kind of the star Wars version of the inglorious bastards mm-hmm. or the star mm-hmm. Wars version of the a team or the expendables. It's this elite fighting force of ragtag misfits that you would not expect to fit together, but each one on their own, yeah, probably would be problematic. Put them all together, and it's pure beauty and chaos. Yep. Yeah, I mean, on their on their own, they would probably be court-martialed and thrown thrown out. But together, they they really are something special. I think of uh, it's cool when you say like the Inglorious Bastards. I think of them as like an A team. They are like the they're the A team of the Star Wars universe that they're kind of they play on the the fringe of the law and the regulations that. I'm sure that a lot of the stuff that they do, not being by the book, their superior officers see that as a problem. And like I, I've kind of said to people on the side that, who've asked me, what is the Bad Batch going to be like? I said, listen, it's going to be like the A-team in space. That yeah. I'm sure that the, the series is going to be them solving issues or problems for people where, where there is a gap and the Empire doesn't help or there, and there's no rebellion yet that they're going to kind of fall in this gray area of getting, you know, what done. And they're also at the same time being hunted by the law. And so that overarching narrative I would imagine is going to take place there as well too. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because even, you know, as, as we talk about each of the, each of the individual characters, they've all got character traits that in some ways even mimic character traits of the original a team. You know, I I think, you know, wrecker is hands down Mr. T he is the B.A. Baracus of the Bad Batch down to his fear of heights, which was like B.A.'s fear of flying. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to we're going to get into their individual traits. So why don't why don't we do that? Let's let's start with with that. And um, you can listen. Here's the other thing, too. Um, I would like to think that you're listening to us and you're uh, you're with us because you enjoy our personalities. There's lots of resources out there, whether it be Wikipedia or Wikipedia, not Wikipedia, Wikipedia. I wanted to make sure I articulated that correctly. Uh, and then there's lots of great stuff over on YouTube as well, where you can just do a YouTube search and type in meet the bad batch. And there's a lot of star Wars fans that will break down in probably in greater detail than we have. We're trying to keep this as spoiler free as you can. Uh, Brian's partner, Marky Mark is really great with that space. I have to say, Mark Adams can do a thorough discussion while not shredding on any kind of content that would spoil the experience. So that's the other thing that we're trying to care- carefully and delicately do for you today is I want you to go and watch season seven, one through four of the Clone Wars before you fire this up on Tuesday. I don't want to spoil it because I really feel like if there is uh, a arc that you can watch not having to really know all that much. You can watch those four episodes and really like and appreciate them just for what they are. The only thing that you probably will need a little bit of the backstory is about the fifth member that gets added. And we'll, we'll kind of prep the landing on that too. But if you have not yet watched clone wars, while there are some episodes that I, I will say are not great, we'll get into clone wars in greater detail in one of our episodes. 
Um, I think that it is some of the best Star Wars that you can get. It's where Dave Filoni really started to show that he is the heir apparent to the Star Wars universe in terms of the direction that it's going to go in the writing. And he continues that as well with, with Rebels. So that's why I'm just so confident with, with where the Mandalorians go in and just where the Star Wars universe is going. If Filoni is, is in the mix, I don't think he can do any wrong. All right, so guys, let's, let's meet the Bad Batch. Um, we're going to try to keep these episodes to, to, for our fans to, as close to an hour as we can. We're not going to go crazy with this, but th- again, understand there's not a lot that we have on these guys save for the four episodes that we see them, and they're sharing screen time with the regs with Cody and with Echo. Brian? Real quick, there's just some uh, talk going on in the comments of I haven't seen the Clone Wars and and, and stuff like that. I, I'm confident in the Bad Batch being able to do what most Star Wars television has been able to do, like the Mandalorian, of letting the story stand on its own. They're going to tell you what you need to know. So if you don't go back and watch the Clone Wars uh, season seven, one through four to meet the Bad Batch, you don't absolutely have to. But even throughout the Bad Batch, having watched the Clone Wars, um, like when we watched The Mandalorian and Bo-Katan showed up or Ahsoka showed up or anything like that, it really meant a lot to the three of us. But if you were just watching The Mandalorian, they didn't leave you in the dust. So the Bad Batch is very much, as much as I want to think of it as season eight of The Clone Wars, I'm so happy that the animation style is going to be in that Clone Wars style. But you can come into the Bad Batch completely unaware of what's going on, and you just may not have quite the payoff that we do, but you can see this as its very own show. Lucasfilm does a great job with that. Yep. And to, to that point, too, just to piggyback off of something that Brian was just speaking to the people to our live studio audience, please don't be don't be afraid of the style of the of the fact that this is animation. The season seven, the way that season seven looked and was shot, it was gorgeous in that they used some really cool camera angles. You felt like you were you were really watching a very high-class production. You did not feel at times that you were watching a cartoon. And then that it really does melt away, gentlemen, that you lose the fact of you're watching a cartoon in that the way the style works and how high resolution it is and high definition and the camera angles, you forget that you're watching a cartoon. I'm fully comfortable in calling Ahsoka and Darth Maul's lightsaber battle in the 10th episode of season seven um, on Mandalore is one of my favorite lightsaber battles ever. I don't care if it's animation or not. Like it was fully acted out motion capture, everything. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the camera work, you know, which is, it, it always sounds a little funny to say with animation, but the camera work from season seven, especially of, uh, of the Clone Wars is remarkable. The, the stuff they're doing, the, the way that they are, creating those action scenes is so exciting and unexpected and the way that they 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 choreograph all of the battle scenes it's 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 amazing it's as good as anything that you'll see on camera um if not better because they can obviously do things that you can't physically capture in camera yeah and the bad batch is continuing with that same animation team yeah so let's let's meet the bad batch what what better place to start with the bad batch than with its leader um, and their leader is a uh, a clone named Hunter. Hunter is one of uh, he's he's a really interesting character. Um, George Lucas has envisioned uh, the Bad Batch sort of as a, a dirty dozen with with clones. So when Dave Filoni fleshed out the character of Hunter, he actually used uh, from the movie Predator from the 1987 movie Predator. And when I say this, you can see it almost in the look and the feel he envisioned or was inspired by Billy soul from the film predator. And like Billy from predator, um, he is very partial to up close and personal battle. Um, he is, uh, 
very proficient with that vibro knife. He also will use a DC 17 hand blaster. Um, and his skill, if you will, uh, his mutation is that it gives him enhanced senses. So he can feel electromagnetic signals. He is the map. Like to, what is it, Dora? I'm the map, I'm the map, I'm the map. So uh, maps, and to quote his partner Tech, maps can be wrong, Hunter never is. So he has like a sixth sense in knowing where they're, where they're going to go. And as such, his personality, he also is constantly diffusing conflicts between the, 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 the members of, of, the, of the unit, of Clone Force 99. He's really cool. He's kind of a soft-spoken guy. Um, he's he's a lot of fun. I like Hunter. If I had to choose a favorite, he's kind of like the obvious. Like he's he's chalk talk. He's chalk talk. All right, uh, Brian, let's do tech. Yeah. So tech, you just talked about him. Tech is he's got um, he's a he's a walking computer. Um, if you see if you're looking at the screen right now, you can see the the lens on top of his thing. It kind of makes him look like Jordy from Star Trek a little bit. But um, he can he can translate on the spot. He can do all that kind of stuff. But he's the guy that is uh, going to do everything computer wise. The limits of his technical capabilities don't exist. Um, so I'm really excited about that. There's a, a wonderful spot in the Clone Wars where he talks about how intricate the door system is. And then Wrecker just comes in and says he doesn't have time for it, just busts the door open. Like, so you get a lot of funny impatience with him. Um, he's just a really great character. I'm, I'm excited about where we go from there. Yeah, and there's really no need for a protocol droid with him. That he's a, he's he's a C-3PO on steroids. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a, a battle-hardened C-3PO in that, He's got a lot of 3PO's qualities, which which also makes him really fun because he, he is quite refined with, yes. with this with this group of like misfits. <laughs> I like him. Mike, the I, I like you you've already said he's the Mr. T. Uh tell us about Wrecker. Yeah, Wrecker is the muscle of the team. So uh his his clone uh you know defect or gift is that he has remarkable super strength. So the ability to lift things, the ability to break things. Um, and that's what he loves to do best. You know, even the way that he's vocalized, um, he even sounds a bit like Wreck-It Ralph, you know, I'm going to wreck it. You know, he's, his, his whole modus operandi is about demolitions and his, his, uh, his philosophy is basically, you know, let's just run through it and break stuff. Yeah. And so that makes him really fun. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier about, BA from the A team, you know, every, every, uh, every Superman has to have his kryptonite. And so we'll, we'll see if there's anything else that comes our way, but we, we know that for everything else that he's fearless about, don't put Wrecker in high places. If you, yeah. If you've watched the trailers, there's this, this little kid character. I have a feeling they're going to have a special bond, the two of them. Yeah. It's what it feels like to me. I like the line from Wrecker where he says, why don't you pick on someone, not your own size? <laughs> when he says that to Rex. He's he's awesome. Wrecker is a lot of fun, even when he gets tasked with blowing stuff up. That he's like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> he gets to blow stuff up. Uh, he was inspired again. If if we get some of these insider says he's actually inspired by the Incredible Hulk. That uh, Dave Dave Filoni and the showrunners uh, were big fans of Marvel, and they wanted to have like a kind of a wink and a nod to uh to the incredible hulk so wrecker's size his strength and his speed kind of are uh are a reductive version of that itself when he cat when he catches the foot of the one of the one droid walker you get a chance to see just how strong this guy is we're talking about 
He's a lot of fun. Uh, I, let me do crosshair. And then we're going to finish with someone that is a mild spoiler. So if, uh, you know, if the fifth person, uh, Brian's shaking his head. No, if you, if you want to go back and watch the full clone wars, the, the fifth one, it won't bother you, but let me, let me get into crosshair. So crosshair, uh, is very much inspired by two, one character that's already in the star Wars universe and one that is not, uh, he's, he's very much inspired by Cad Bane, which is a bounty hunter and appears all throughout the clone wars. But he also is a cross between Cad Bane and then Clint Eastwood. You can even see from the, the drawing style of Crosshair that he does have a striking resemblance to Clint Eastwood. And he is a gunslinger. Um, he reminds me a little bit also of in terms of his temperament and his, the way he carries himself in relation to the unit. He reminds me a little bit of the sniper Jackson in Saving Private Ryan where he does not talk often, but when he does, he's a man of few words, but when he speaks, um, his words carry great weight. What I like about uh, Crosshair is he has a competition, a la like Lord of the Rings, where he and Wrecker have like a body count that they are competing in their four episode arc to see who can take down more, more. It uh, still only counts as one. <laughs> more, more droids. Um, but he's, he's really cool. He is the sniper of the group. His special, uh, his special mutation, he has been equipped with like eagle-eyed vision, that his vision is enhanced, um, and so he uses a, a sniper rifle called the seven seven three fire puncher rifle. Um, but he's also uh, another guy that he'll he'll get very up and close and personal with that with that viber blade, as well as he will have a a pistol at his side, that DC seventeen blaster. And then last and not least. One member it's gets added in in the Clone Wars, and that is the now official fifth member of Echo. And Brian's going to tell you about Echo because he was not always a member of the Bad Batch. Yeah, CT one four zero nine Echo. He was part of the Arc uh, group with Rex Fives. I think it was Jesse, right? Was that the other one? I believe um, was, so. Yes. Was the four of them? Yeah. So Echo was, uh, we believe, had died in the attack on. Um, I apologize. I can't remember the, the word that I was thinking of, but, uh, so we believe he had died. It had been several seasons. Um, then he was captured. They were actually using his brain. They called him the algorithm where he was able to, cause he was trained the same way Rex was on what type of, uh, tactics that the clone troopers were going to use at the battle of an that Mark talked about, um, earlier. Um, the Citadel, that's where the, uh, that's where we believe where, uh, Echo had originally died. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch because Rex hasn't given up hope that Echo's still alive. And we get Anakin, of all people, being critical of Rex talking about getting your emotions in the way. And even Padme kind of tells Anakin, hey, you need to just let him do his thing. And, and, and then it comes back. But Echo, they get him back. And then the Bad Batch isn't quite sure where his loyalties lie. Um, but he proves himself, saves Obi-Wan Kenobi and Mace Windu and a bunch of other people. Uh, and Echo, he just didn't, he was going to go with Rex and Rex said, hey, if, if you feel like that's where you belong, then that's where you go. He's got a really, really cool metal arm uh, that's, I think, going to be a lot of fun. He's, again, you don't have need for a droid because that can tap into all the data ports that R2-D can get into as well. So um, between him and Tech, I think they've got it covered. But Echo's story kind of coming full circle from the Citadel and and all of that is is just really great. And Mark, you talked about Cad Bane. 
I hope we get Cad Bane in this series. I love that character so much. We'll move on. The one, well, the one thing that I'm really excited about, and let's just end on this today, guys, to say the fact that they're continuing these narratives in live action and in animated gives me just great positivity about the future of Star Wars. That when you see Bo-Katan, when you see all of these things coming from the animated world, which is also canon, we can't discount it because it's animated. Um, it gives me great hope that I think that you just you get a lot more to play with in the sandbox. That you you have you have hold out hope that you're going to get Cad Bane in maybe uh, the Book of Boba Fett or even in the Mandalorian. So seeing all of these continued stories and the Bad Batch, and it gives me great hope that the future of Star Wars is bright. That's why we are really excited for this show. Is that unlike when Mike and I were kids? we waited in excess of 15 years to get star Wars. Like that was it. That was it. Our sandbox was pretty much done. All we had were novels in excess of those three movies. So I'm really excited for the kids that they will get star Wars for the, for the future and that it's going to continue to grow. And that I think is another reason why I don't, I don't like the star Wars gatekeepers. I don't consider myself one, I don't appreciate that sentiment. Star Wars is for everyone. And Freddie Prince Jr. has, uh, he, it's a little bit of a diatribe where he goes off on toxic fans or the old school fans and basically chides them for the people that say like, you know, like Star Wars is this or is that. Star Wars is for kids. Star Wars is for kids, which is the 30,000 foot view and the Cliff Notes version of what Freddie Prince Jr. is saying. If you don't like the next iteration of Star Wars, well, then you know what? Then your Star Wars died in the 70s. Or if you like saw the prequels and you don't like... Star Wars is meant to inspire another generation. And there's going to be kids at 10 and 15 years from now. And Mike, this is... Whether you or I like it, there will be kids that grew up with those that sequel trilogy. And that's their Star Wars. And where Freddie Prince Jr. hits the nail right on the head is Star Wars is for kids. Whether it's 42-year-old kids... 30-something-year-old children, 20-year-olds, or younger, Star Wars is going to continue to spot, inspire for generations. And that, man, I'm I'm all in and I'm psyched, which is why I always try to say, I know I have a bias. I know where Star Wars hit me right in the feels and when it hit me right in the feels. But I'm also really excited that even if it's something that I don't like, I always try to temper that disappointment, say, with an, a healthy expectation of I'm really not the target audience anymore and the audience has changed and I either have to grow up or grow, honestly grow down and de-age myself to stop being the bitter old man yelling on his front lawn, or I have to just turn off the TV. Um, uh, neither, neither of those things will I ever do, by the way, I'll be 86 and I'll still cry if, <laughs> if Star Wars comes out and, and hits me in the feels. Um, but that's what I'm really psyched about. That's what I'm psyched about. So gentlemen, uh, any final thoughts here before we sign off? I'm just glad I have a place to come where I can talk about my distaste for sand, about how coarse it is and how <laughs> it gets everywhere. I'm excited to do this as often as, as we're going to put this out every other week. Yep. A place to talk Star Wars that is going to be fun to talk Star Wars because like we talked about multiple times, it's not always fun to talk Star Wars. We are going to be fun to talk Star Wars with and I cannot wait. Yeah. Mike, 
final thoughts before we we sign off for the day yeah this has been a blast looking forward to seeing what happens with bad batch and all the other shows to come and getting to spend more time with you two fine gentlemen and uh uh, I, I look forward to litigating the case for or against Jar Jar Banks. I now have something new to live for. The people, the people versus Jar the Jar people, Banks. The people versus Jar Jar Banks. I, I love Dunk, it. Uh, for those of you that are listening to, as far as Brian mentioned a minute ago, the schedule of the show, we will be a bi-weekly podcast. So we'll be putting out two episodes for the month. Uh, in the interim, if we don't have new content to kind of go over. So in the next episode, we'll have a few weeks of the Bad Batch because it's animated. We're not going to we're gonna, not going to dive into it like say we would other stuff, but we'll have a chance to recap what's happened so far, get some reactions and then do stuff like we've been doing, which is just have a chance to fan out and break down different things. Geek out lots of quotes uh, and lots of discussion. Um, but this is going to be a place for you to live out your Star Wars fantasy with us as well. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with us. I hope I had a great time. Um, I will see you guys in two weeks. To everyone else, thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts and our host site, Anchor. And gentlemen, may the force be with you. <laughs>